Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. Try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. Welcome to the catch-up episode for season one, the only season presently of Russian Doll. Yeah, we we, uh, we we both have watched all of it, yeah. and in preparation for this, we just watched the last episode again. Yeah, and just in case anybody's new to the podcast and you happen to click on this one first, strangely, what is a catch-up episode? Catch-up episode is where we've watched either the entire series or at least a season, and then we sit down and we reflect back on it and we sort of and talk about what happened. Catch, catch up! up. <laughs> Yes, we first, the, sometimes it's just one of us watches a show that we initially covered the pilot of, sometimes both of us watch it. In this case, we, ha, we both watched all of Russian Doll because how can you not? So if you are listening to this first, I highly recommend you go back and find our Russian Doll episode. It will have just been a yeah. few weeks ago or something. I'm not sure exactly when these are going to come out, but it will have come out very recently. So just go back and listen to that one first. Also, just go watch the show if you haven't. I mean, please do not let these two yuckleheads. Yuckleheads? Yuckleheads. That's definitely a word. Don't let these two dime store Goombas spoil even a second of Russian Doll for you. Yeah, because so. clearly this is heavy spoiler territory. Yeah, absolutely. Right We're going to be picking apart the entire season, not just the first episode as we did on our pilot discussion. So that being said, if you wish to pause the episode now... Please do so at the tone. Bob. All right. Now that you're back, uh, we can really get into season one. So we did, we did consider rewatching the entire show in like a marathon or possibly a two-part marathon, like one night and then the following morning, and then recording the catch-up, which would have been awesome and intense. But we just we did not have time because pandemic times. Uh, we have to do a certain amount of isolating and testing before we can get in the same room to record. So, yeah. uh, unfortunately, we couldn't we couldn't uh, have the luxury of that much time. But we did just rewatch the last episode to kind of dial it back in, get ourselves yeah. back into it. And before we started the last episode, I said, you know what? I'm just gonna look at each of the thumbnails on Netflix and read the little one sentence description to kind of remind ourselves of the structure of the show. And I said, strangely. Oh my God, they packed so much into eight episodes, four hours. Each episode too, I was going, that whole plot line happened in a single episode? Like, good God. I, I think part of it is the economy of storytelling in yes. the show that they can yes. pack a lot in. But I think also part of it is the way that you and I engaged with the show. This is something I've been thinking about a lot that you think about movies from when you're a kid and it's it's like, like for me, it was like the first um, couple Star Wars films is like, every frame of those is burned into me because I watched them over and over again and I would talk about them with friends and it was like I was very marinated in Mm -hmm. it and our experience with this was like that as opposed to being uh marathoning yes you know we both made a conscious decision somebody actually advised us you know don't marathon it I marathoned it and I feel like I wish I'd given more time for each episode to to breathe and live in my brain so we both having we had to watch the pilot and then take some time before we could watch the second episode because we had to sit and talk about it. Right. And so we couldn't watch the next episode until we'd had those chats. Yeah. 
And so each episode was, you know, a half hour of watching it and then usually an hour plus phone call yeah. discussing the episode and speculating about what was going to come next Yeah, in and much the same way that you would with broadcast television back when you would only get one episode a week. Yeah, yeah. Well, And for the record, we do not normally do this with shows that we cover on the podcast. We don't normally watch them independently one episode at a time and then call and basically do an unrecorded podcast about each episode where you just talk about it on the phone. That is not the normal way we do things. But it occurred to us with this show that... You could do a chat about every episode of the show, and we kind of wish we had the time to do it. After watching the pilot and recording the conversation, we were like, God, if we could record our first impressions of each episode and our theories of what was changing and everything as we went, our first impressions would have been magical, but we just, logistics, we couldn't do it. So we're like, let's at least have the fun for the two of us of talking on the phone for, with, about each one. And I, I, I'm sorry to tease some of you with the fact that we effectively did a podcast about each one, but we just didn't record it. But uh, it would have been a, a lot more work. I mean, it is funny that, that about half the time when you and I talk on the phone, it's like one of us will end the phone call and be like, all right, well, I got to go. And the other one's like, well, on that note, bye. Yeah, we actually do that a lot on the phone and it's usually you. It's a uh, way of saying, I gotta go, actually. Yeah. Like, I, it, normal people be like, I'm gonna let you go. Sarah and Strangely be like, and on that note. I mean, us There's a meme for you. Us talking on the phone, we actually discovered that at least my, my Android phone has an arbitrary two hour, 59 minute <laughs> cutoff where it goes, yeah. this phone call has lasted this long. There's no way you're still on the call. I'm going to hang up for you. It's wild. It's like Netflix saying, are you still watching the show? It, but if Netflix just went, no, and sh- turned your TV off. Yeah, yeah. You're done. <laughs> yes, yes. Strangely, and I do have three-hour conversations, not that <laughs> irregularly. Nowadays, it's more like two. One or two is the is the normal length. During the early days of the pandemic, when you were really isolated, three-hour calls, longer than three-hour calls, were not that no. unusual. It's, it's, We'd just be doing other yeah. shit around the house right. with headphones in and being like, there'd be moments where the, the, the conversation would peter out, where normally you'd go, well, anyway, I'll, I'll let you go. And we would just be quiet for a second and be like, oh my God, my dishwasher is doing this thing again. And then we'd pick back up and start talking. We had, there was a day where I was here in Seattle somewhere else and I called you to ask you a question before I left Seattle. And then we ended up talking as I got in my car, drove up to Bellingham. Oh and my... I was still on the phone with you when I walked into my house in Bellingham. That's and I was like, right. this is a two city call. Like the only way this would be more insane is if I'd crossed a time zone. Like or if you cross the Canadian border, such yeah, things were possible. Two country, two country call. Anyway, back to Russian Doll. <laughs> yeah. So this show is amazing. I don't think it's seems even silly just to say that because I can't imagine anyone watching this and being like, eh. This is this is the first Netflix series that I find to be unequivocally good. Yeah. Like there's other Netflix shows I've enjoyed over the years, but they're like, you know, it's a season that ends on a cliffhanger because Netflix already announced they ordered season two. Yeah. It doesn't tell a complete story. 
and then season two ends up, you know, just not being that great yeah. or whatever. They're, they're, but this is like, this is exactly the kind of art that I think television is capable of where you can, you can take a little more time, you can let it breathe and you can construct an intricate story like this. Yeah. While, you know, sort of in a serialized format. It's so good. Yeah. We were talking kind of while we were watching the last episode this time that this story could have worked as a film, but so much would have had to be been lost to fit it into a two hour ish time slot. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I pointed out in the final episode is the conversation that Nadia has with Alan's neighbor. Oh yeah, it's so where he's good. N- not Fabio. You're making me jealous. <laughs> and when that whole thing is there, you're nice, nice to look at too. Hey, you're not so bad yourself. That whole exchange, nothing is revealed. He doesn't impart some wisdom to her. It's just a moment. That's I. It's hard to convey why it's important to the story, but it is. And things like that would be lost if you tried to to cram this story into a movie. Yeah. It, it, it is the kind of season where it's like, no, that actually could have worked. Like you could have told more or less the same story as a movie. A lot of shows are described as being right. One hour. That episode yeah. was like one hour of a movie, but you look at the, the season and you're like, that season wouldn't make a good movie though. No, th- this absolutely needs to be in this format. Yeah. It also, you know, you talked about that one scene being something that wouldn't be in a movie. And I feel like you could get a scene like that into a film. What really shines in this that wouldn't happen in a film is the time to have some of the creeping changes that occur in the world happen slowly enough that you might not notice them initially. Yeah. So there's sort of, you know, over the course of the season, there's the subtraction of elements. You know, the fish disappear, certain people start to disappear to the point where... Nadia's party has nobody in it. And it's just her alone in the house with uh, Maxine. Yeah. But because the show has the room to breathe, has the time, the first few times she goes through, you know, it's just like a couple people are missing. There's not 40 people there. There's 30. Yeah. And it still feels full. It still feels lively. You know, and then there's 20 people and then there's 10, you know, it's like things like that in a film it would either be a, a much faster montage but it wouldn't have the same impact of like the slow creeping dread Ooh, yeah i seriously when you reminded me of the image of when she walks out into the apartment and it's not only empty of people but of like furniture and it's just the music echoing through the oh, apartment yeah. and maxine sort of like swaying in the middle of the room being like i yeah. am the party i was just like i i seriously got a full body shiver remembering yeah. how that felt and and I think that is so much more impactful because we've had we had the conditioning of how the party's supposed to go. You know, yeah. they don't initially start subtracting. We get enough time to feel comfortable in the loop of sort of her walking through the party, the way the ways the party's interacting with each other, all that kind of stuff that when it actually by the time it gets to that is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you said, you just got like a full body reaction thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. Some interesting things uh, that felt, if you look at it as a whole thing, for a minute there, John, her ex-boyfriend, becomes so important to the story. Mm-hmm. And her relationship with him and her relationship with his daughter, or lack of relationship with his daughter, are so important. I was really surprised John didn't figure even a little bit into the final episode. 
She doesn't even call him or something. I guess I was expecting that. I mean, that his daughter is in the previous episode. Yeah, because she's with the daughter when she like. That's the yeah, because it's episode seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like I watched episode seven. And it took me a minute to get want to watch the final episode yeah. because it was so distressing. Yeah. So like, I guess that was their wrapping up that part of the story. Mm-hmm. It still surprised me that John didn't figure even a little bit into the ending. The way the show ends, we have no idea whether Nadia is even thinking about John or her relationship with him. Or whether that's she's going to reach out to him and, and renew that or anything. I expected that to be there somehow. I mean, my read on that is that for, you know, Nadia's fixation on John is kind of similar to her fixation on, um, it, it's, it's like for, for a lot of the show, Nadia and, um, and Alan are trying to fix the wrong things. Yeah. They're not actually looking inside themselves and like self-examining what they actually need to deal with internally. So like, you know, when we first see Alan's day, He's got this, he's trying to have the perfect day. He's trying to get everything right so that Beatrice will stay with him. Right, he's yeah. Like, I've got this loop. I can, This is how I'll use the loop. Yeah. And Nadia's like, oh, I gotta, you know, Nadia thinks she's done something wrong and that she has to fix a particular thing in her life. You know, she's got to yeah. fix things with John. She's got to help um, the the psychiatrist, friend, the, um, her mom's Ruth. friend. Ruth. Ruth. She's got to help Ruth. You know, she's got to like... She's, she's, she's trying to solve everybody else's problems. We should talk about Ruth more later too. Yeah. And, and what finally happened, but it's like, she's solving other people's problems in this really selfish way. Yeah. That it's like, she has to be the one who tells Ruth not to turn on the stove. Yeah. You know, she has to fix things with John, even though like, it seems like John maybe is ready to move on past Nadia, but she keeps, she's pulling him back in, you know? Take me to the yeshiva and I'll give you a blowjob or what, you know, like that kind kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's like she, when she finally realized she just, when she helps Alan, it's a, it's a much more selfless thing. She's not helping him because she stands to benefit anything. He doesn't in the, in the sense of sort of Nadia's life prior to the loop, he doesn't mean anything to her. He's not some mistake from her past. Yeah. He's just a person that she needs to help. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's kind of similar for Alan helping helping Nadia. He has to go so far outside of himself yeah. to help someone else. Because she's she he, he wants to control everything and she is literally an uncontrollable thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It was, it was really striking me, especially rewatching that last episode how much of a harder time Alan has trying to convince Nadia prime to listen to him. She has a a bit of an easier time. She just needs to sort of get him home Mm -hmm. and then keep him safe. Yeah. She's got this sort of slightly docile, drunk, messed up, sad Alan. Mm -hmm. He's not entirely docile, but yeah, he's, she, once she gets him home, he's kind of like, okay. Are you going to put me to bed? <laughs> like he has to, he has this very awake and alert and strong and opinionated Nadia yeah. who does not like other people messing with her business. Yeah. And he has to try to convince her. Yeah. It's, it was interesting to see that what a different experience they both had. But do you, do you think that, 
her difficulty in saving Alan is that she actually has to listen to another human being. Like that is, yeah. her, that is her, actually her test is not whether or not she keeps him alive. Keeping him alive is a function of actually listening to him, of him yeah. feeling heard. Because I, I think his big problem is that he's never, it seems like he's kind of never been an active participant in his own life. Like he's been with Beatrice for so long that it's like them getting married and him having a ring to propose to her, yeah. probably not really his idea. You know, it's like they've been together for so long and, and he can sense that she's slipping away. He's like, well, I guess this is the next thing to do to hold yeah, on to her. right, yeah. You know, and his friend was probably like, I mean, you've, you've been together, you know. It, it, I, I think it was his idea, but not necessarily what he wanted. Yeah, that's just, pr- yeah. Yeah, just that, I don't think any, I guess you, when you said not his idea, I'm like, who else would, certainly wasn't Beatrice's idea. Right. Like, who else would give him this idea? I think it would just be, the thing he would come up with, like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. That's what I mean by not his idea. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, That's his attempt to fix things, not him making the choice of what he actually wants out of his life. Definitely. Well, you you wanted to talk about Ruth, though. Let's talk about Ruth, because she doesn't appear in the the last episode. That's a really good point. Obviously, she is also a huge part of the story. Mm Mm-hmm is not in the final episode. Yeah. I was actually surprised that Mike was such a big part of the final episode. I mean, he kind of needed to be there by virtue of the fact that they were resetting to the to the mm-hmm. beginning and that the original Nadia was, her plan was sleep with this guy. Yeah. And there's no reason for that to have changed. So it makes sense for him to be there, but part of me is like, ah, he's like the least interesting person in the show. Why is he such a big part of the, of the end? But anyway, Ruth... I love Ruth so much. She reminded me of so many people in mm-hmm. my life. In fact, her last name is Brenner. And there used to be a Jewish bakery and delicatessen in my hometown growing up called Brenner Brothers Bakery. And I was like, oh, gosh, she just kind of reminds me in some vague way of Brenner Brothers. And there was this plate of rugula. On the table, which is a Jewish cookie. If you've never had it, you've never lived. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. They're not that amazing. They're really good, though. I have not had them in a while. And they're just a bitch to make at home. Um, there was just a plate of them sitting in her kitchen. In every shot of her kitchen. Yeah. Every time I was like, oh my god, I want that rugelach. Here's the crazy thing. A couple nights ago, totally unrelated to Russian Doll, I was thinking about Brenner Brothers. And I went online to see if I could Google like some pictures. I'm like, ah, oh, just... It closed in 96. Right. And I'm just like, I can barely remember what it even looked like on the inside. I wonder if I could find some pictures on the internet. The first picture I found was a picture of the eponymous Brenner brothers and their sister who also worked at the bakery. And her name was Yetta. And she had this big, you know, white blonde hair. And she always was very classy and wore jewelry and everything. She always gave kids a cookie, one of those sugar cookies covered uh-huh. in sprinkles. Uh-huh. And I went, oh my God, I think subconsciously Ruth was kind of reminding me of her. She goes, Ruth isn't quite that like glamorous right. and glitzy, but still I was like, oh my God, in a weird way, Ruth just reminded, I think was reminding me of Yetta without, even when I heard her last name was Brenner, it didn't directly connect. Anyway, I just, it was this intense, like I had big Jewish feelings about Ruth and her rugelach. Okay. God, you're making me so hungry now. But but Ruth is such an important character because of the relationship she has not only with Nadia, but with Nadia's mom. Yes, yeah. That's one of the reasons I really wanted to bring her up. Yeah. 
because it's very unclear what Ruth's actual relationship is. And I would need to rewatch the whole show to see if there was some hint that I missed. But I don't think there is because I went and looked online and I found a bunch of threads on message boards or Twitter or whatever where people were arguing about what their relationship was. And some people were just flat out wrong. They were like, I thought she was Nadia's therapist. I'm like, Nadia literally says you're a great therapist, but you're not my therapist. Yeah. She literally says that, but clearly they missed that. But is she, here are some theories that have been thrown out. Is she Nadia's mother's sister? No. I don't think so either. I, g- g- give me the theories and I'll yeah. answer what I think. Yeah. Let's do that real yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't think, I don't think so. We've yeah. we're just, there's been no reason to think that. Yeah. Honestly, except that they're Jewish, apparently. Some people think all Jewish people are related. I don't know. Um, therapist, obviously not. It's directly said yeah. in the show that she isn't. The other one that I think is not true is she's the social worker. No. Who took, yeah, right? That's not the read that I got either. Well, you know what? Actually, I think she directly says it. She's like, it. Nadia at one point says, it was my fault. I told the social worker that I wanted to leave. And uh-huh. Ruth goes, no, you didn't. You said exactly what your mother told you to, which is that you wanted to stay with your mother. You did exactly what your mother molded you. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for, not molded. Groomed you to do. Yeah. You did exactly what your mother asked. It is not your fault that 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 you got taken away. It was yeah. So it's like obviously she's not the social worker. Also, if she had been, they wouldn't necessarily still be in each other's lives. I, I, I also, mean, she's she's in the house. There's a flashback where she's in the house. Ruth is in the house yelling at. I can't remember Nadia's mother's name now. Yeah. Um. She's like talking to her, not yelling at her, but like they're having a conversation. It's just the relationship is not social worker and and client at all or whatever it's you know i mean at all i don't think my read on the relationship is just longtime family friend yeah i think i don't know why you need to overcomplicate it by giving her some specific role yeah and i'm I'm not saying you're doing that but like hearing that people have these theories about oh she's her godmother she's her social worker like one of the things that i think is really great in this show overall is that a lot of a lot of the details are actually kind of ambiguous yeah you know, like even sort of a lot of Nadia's other friendships, you know, with with um, with Maxine and um, the blonde who Lizzie, the, Lizzie. It's like you, there, there's no expo log about like we've been friends since high school. Or like, yeah. How long have you known me? Yeah. Which is a thing no person has ever said to an actual friend in conversation to the best of my knowledge. Strangely, how long have you known me? Uh, 35 years. <laughs> I, I, most friends who ask me that, I would have to go, uh, hold on. Uh, what year is it? What year did we meet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I very rarely have the number of years I've known someone locked and ready to go in my brain. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think that. But I, we're not getting that yeah. kind of information here. And so, you know, because these things are vague, I think it opens up room for us, the audience, to project our own feelings onto these relationships, which is why the vagueness of Ruth's relationship is really great. Yeah. She can remind you of a therapist or a godmother or the lady at the Jewish bakery. Like she she can be all those things. Yeah. And I think that that's one that's something that it's a really hard line to walk for a piece of media to sort of give you a lot of visual and textual information but still leave enough open that you, the audience member, can put something of yourself into it. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly, I, I think I said to someone, talking about 
uh, Russian Doll, I was like, yeah, I, it's weird. I, I have a hard time imagining how Ruth and Nadia's mother became friends in the first place. Because they seem like such different people. Mm-hmm. in those flashbacks it's like they must have been friends since they were kids or something right. and the person said no they're sisters and i was like what I'm like yeah she's not his aunt i'm like that would answer some of the questions about like they seem like such very different people like and Nadia's mother is kind of this like wild you know like right. almost like a flower child a uh, flower child that word came out really weird in my brain Flower child. No, I said yeah, it right, didn't I? You said I? it right. It sounded wrong. It sounded like I said, like, flyer child. Flyer child. But I child. didn't. No, you okay. didn't. You said it no, right. I said it right. She's kind of this, like, flower child almost with the long, frizzy hair yeah. and everything. And you see Ruth and she's like this, you know, 80s. She's almost like power suit, like, perfect, like, business hair yeah. and everything. I don't know. It was... They seemed like very different people and you had a hard time imagining how they became friends. So... I think them being sisters would have explained that. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I don't think they ever say that they're sisters. I guess I don't know if they say anything that's explicitly states they're not sisters. True. But it seems weird that they wouldn't. Ruth never says anything about like our family or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. It, the, the, which, you know, in sort of the, the, the difficulties with the kinds of conversations Nadia is having with Ruth, it seems like you would say something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would be really curious to hear from someone who has rewatched the show, especially if you were rewatching Looking for Hints. Yeah. You were focused specifically. You weren't going to miss anything. Please let us know if you've done that and you you have the answer. Yeah. But I th- I think but we're they... gonna need timestamps, people. Yeah, timestamps. <laughs> Honestly, they may have left it purposely vague. Yeah, that may have been intentional. Oh, that's right. Somebody told me they heard in an interview that the character was loosely based on um, Natasha Leone's real life godmother. Okay. I think that was that was why someone said like, oh, I thought she was supposed to be her godmother because she was based on her godmother. I'm like. You know, that would, that says a lot about the relationship, mm-hmm. but definitely they don't explicitly state it and probably on purpose, given yeah. that, given that she was based on someone with a specific relationship to the main, to the main actress. Anyway, that's good to, that's good to remember that. We're like, okay. But that's, it, that's metatextual analysis at yes. that point. Yeah, so. it's true. It's true. Anyway, I just, I wanted to talk a little bit about yeah. Ruth and yeah. her, and her Rugelach. <laughs> it, i'm so hungry do we have now. Any, damn it do we have any listeners in los angeles can you pop over to Cantor's and grab us like about a pound of chocolate rugula and just bung it in the post strangely what's your p.o box uh oh it's it's um 1000 it's really easy to remember 1000 harris avenue bellingham washington 98225 that's it if you just my name 1000 yeah. harris avenue yeah bellingham washington 98225 Boom. Just just send us some freaking rugula. But give us a heads up so yeah, yeah. actually definitely check. He's, he's not he's not at the studio all the time anymore, what with pandemic times. Yeah. But you're you're gonna need to be prepared if that if a box of rugula oh. shows up, you're gonna have to be prepared to drive down to 90 Seattle. 90 minutes later I'll be in Seattle. Yeah. That's, yeah that's even, even if you like can't you haven't been isolated or you can't get tested or whatever, like you're still driving down the rugula and we will just sit outside and, oh, and yeah, eat it. For sure. You know. 10 feet apart and then you go like okay bye <laughs> anyway 
That being said, had to get that call to action. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, in there. for sure. Oh, God. Or honestly, if you live anywhere that has a, a, a good Jewish bakery and you can yeah, hook I mean, us up with some Rugloch. You know, yeah, this is a challenge because people are always like, look, our town has the best Jewish bakery. The yeah. best? Prove it. Yeah. Prove it. If you live in uh, Boston, I think, oh, I might be misremembering. Might be Boston, might not. Blacker's Bake Shop is yeah. a Jewish bakery somewhere on the East Coast. And I know they ship, but I just haven't been able to bring myself to, to pull the trigger and spend the money. Rugula up or shut up. <laughs> the, hash, hashtag they, rugula up or shut up. Yeah. Internet up some Blacker's Bake Shop or Cantor's, whichever. I don't know if Cantor ships, but like hook us up for some rugula. Anyway, uh, back to actual Russian doll to- topics. Yeah. <laughs> Not blatant calls for cookies in the mail i want to talk about the fact that this show stays so small yeah it, it, yes it is an, a, a, it's something i mentioned to you a lot on the phone it's something that um i was curious about what they were going to do when, when we talked about the pilot is sort of where are they going to go with this how are they gonna how are they gonna expand this as the series progresses right yeah. You know, obviously she's going to explore her loop. What does that mean? And and something that I love is that it, once she realizes she's in a deathless loop, we don't get the whole montage of, like in Groundhog Day, you know, he's like stealing police cars, going for jo- joy rides, yeah. jumping off of clock towers for no reason. Yeah. You know, he spends a, a, a surprising chunk of the movie just like having fun, basically. Doing all the things that people... In the audience might be like, that's what I would do if I had no, yeah. no consequence yeah. loop or something, you know. And pretty much the only sort of, I would say, like, no consequences thing she does is she she goes and gets, like, she goes and huffs glue with horse in the park. Yeah. And then, like, lets him cut <laughs> her hair and, and just, like, it's, like, to- totally lets her guard down around him in a way that I don't think she would do with a homeless person prior to looping. Yeah, yeah. I think she'd be a little too, like, you know... Well, I was going to say, uh, have a sense of self-preservation, but actually, <laughs> that's not really Nadia, is it? But she probably wouldn't have done that specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I was not even thinking about the fact that they had to have shot that scene last. Where he cuts her hair. Oh. Because he does, he really does cut her hair. Yeah. And then when she wakes up, that's right, then she falls asleep with him in the park. And she mm-hmm. wakes up and goes, I froze to death? God, that's dark. Yeah. And her hair is back. Yeah, yeah. And we just, it stays so, such a small area. Yeah, like a geographic area. Yeah. Yeah, like, I wanted to clarify, because you, you said, like, it's it stays so small. Yeah. And, like... There's times when they sort of almost tease the idea that they might go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like when the rabbi is like, I've got to go to, what, Great Neck? Something yeah. Something like that. And you almost think that she's going to go with him or something. But Alan's house, Alan's apartment, her apartment, and Maxine's are all, and the deli, mm-hmm. and Central Park are all within walking distance, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The new location of the Shiva, I think she takes a cab there, maybe. Ruth's yeah. place, I think, might be... Ruth's place can't be that far, because she's like... She she acts like she's just going to pop over to Ruth's place to get the book. Yeah. So, any everything does feel very close. Now, I don't know enough about New York to know, realistically, 
Aside yeah. from the established, the deli and the three apartments, that those it is established those are all like around the, the corner mm-hmm. from each other, basically. I don't know about the other locations, but yeah, I think the furthest afield potentially that, that they go is, I it's guess we don't know where Beatrice falls is. in the water. I think that might be the far the farthest afield. Oh, location. the bridge. The bridge. Well, she's under the bridge. Or she, you know, she's she, on she, the bridge. No, she's looking up at a bridge. She's on like one of the sort of New York by the side of the water walkway things. What are, what scenario are you talking about? I don't know what scene you're referring it's to. It's the first time she drowns. No, she's she sitting on the railing. Water. Yeah, but the railing is it's it's like it's a waterside oh. park and there's a bridge up above her. Like it's it's um I've been to that park. Are you okay? Yeah. Apparently I was misreading the location. It, I thought there were cars going by. Should, should we should we check the clip? I almost want to because you see that location more than once because Alan also dies there one time. Yeah. And I was, I definitely thought they were on a bridge. Do, do we want to pause this? And the railing has quick? to be high enough above the water that when she falls, she dies. She hits her head before she falls. There's like a, no. yeah, it's not a, it's not a height fall. Okay. I, I hate to do this, but we actually have to pause this and watch it because I'm, questioning reality right now because that is totally different from how i was viewing that location okay we're, we're gonna cue up the tv and we're gonna watch it okay she's in the park she found oatmeal she's oh kitty <laughs> that cat is really adorable Okay, she's got oatmeal in her lap. See? I guess it's not a bridge, but it's like... Yeah, it's one of those like waterside park walkways. Okay, I thought you said she had a, there was a bridge above her. I think it meant yeah. directly above no, her. No, like that's in the off, distance. Above, higher up in the distance, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So oatmeal just disappeared. I guess I also read this as a bridge, but... Oatmeal disappears. Yeah, I guess it's just like a waterfront sort of. Yeah, see, there's a. There's a. There is a thump noise, and yeah. then we see her from under the water. <laughs> now that's interesting. She spits water out. Yeah. So uh, that actually kind of contradicts my theory that her body completely reverts. Right. Because her hair does. When he cuts her hair, it's back. But they don't, like, bruise or anything like that. No, no, no. There's no damage. There's no scars or anything. But her spitting water out... Hmm. Interesting. That might be, uh... Anyway, I was wrong. (laughs) Good thing we queued it up and watched it. Yeah. That was interesting, though, because it showed us that she, yeah, she, first of all, I didn't remember the thump noise. Oh, yeah. That establishes that she apparently hit her head. Mm -hmm. I just remember she falls off. I honestly didn't remember that they show her falling in the water either. I thought it was, whoa, back to the, to the bathroom. So that's, that's definitely interesting. But yeah, that she spits water does seem to, I wonder if, is that the only sign that, is that the only time that they're body is at all affected moving forward yeah or backward depending on how you look at it oh hey <laughs> anyway that was that was uh that was definitely interesting sorry that we had to do that 
so I could know if that was a bridge or not. Let's anyway. talk about oatmeal. Yeah. It's... Let's talk about, oh, oatmeal. He, I think he chooses you. God, that's so good. That yeah. last scene when she goes and, and Horse yeah. has oatmeal. That also feels very significant that Horse is the one who kind of returns oatmeal to her. Yeah, it's, oh, the cat's name is Oatmeal. Horse's name is Horse. Horses eat oats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I just, ugh. I mean, the, the cat is adorable. Mm-hmm. And also, Oatmeal's a great name for a cat. It is I a love, really good name for I a love cat. the sign that you see when Alan is looking for Nadia in the deli. And it's like, employees only and Oatmeal. Yeah, in print. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. It's great. I I think it's really fascinating that oatmeal is the first object that we consciously see disappear. Yeah. That like the characters are conscious of. Yeah, it's it is interesting oatmeal's kind of relationship with the story is his function in the story. Uh-huh. That he is the first hint that something is wrong. She's talking a lot about the fact that ah, my cat's missing. Which, they establish it as not that weird, but weird enough that she's bothered. Yeah. Like, the cat does sort of wander around. The cat lives in the deli, rather, mm-hmm. you know, as much as it lives with, he lives with her. Right. Uh, but then when the, then the cat is the first thing that actually really does disappear. And trying to get the cat leads to at least a couple of deaths. Mm-hmm. But then the cat is completely gone for the middle of the show. Right? Yeah, from the point that we just saw. Right, from that point when Oatmeal... So maybe only one death? Yeah. No, the I think the first death, when she gets hit by the taxi, she sees Oatmeal across the street. Running across the street to Oatmeal. To yeah, get yeah. Oatmeal, yeah. So Oatmeal leads to two deaths before disappearing. And then, yeah, no Oatmeal until he reappears at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's supposed to mean something. I think there's a lot of stuff in this show that doesn't mean something. Well... You know, I, I think in the sense that Nadia's problem is that she's trying to fix things externally and she's not looking internally at, like, her issues with her mom. Yeah. Because the thing that finally resets the loop, to, you know, that, that that she gets, you know, we get the party, the whole party's back, everyone's back, and she actually then faces her final test. Yeah. Is that she accepts her mom damage. Like, yeah. and there's that scene with the, um, in the... Where she's like coughing up blood from Ugh. whatever, you yeah, know, the really yeah. grisly scene at the end yes, of episode yes, seven. Yes, um, is she finally does look internally and she does confront that and she's like, "All right, yeah, this is what I'm doing." And you know, oatmeal and her fixation on her her fur baby is kind of like the most, I feel like the most um, surface level expression of that. Yeah, of her avoiding that is it's like. I love oatmeal and oatmeal loves me back and it is in some ways dependent on me. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. she almost has a similar relationship to oatmeal as she does with her mom. That her oatmeal is this thing that comes and goes that is not, um, that is not a constant. Yeah. But also I think oatmeal somewhat represents her trying to care for something in the way that her mother did not care for her yeah. as a child yeah. or take care of her, if not care for complicated phrase but actually i re-listened to part of our original episode i meant to re-listen to the whole thing before we Mm -hmm. did the catch-up but we were kind of joking about the title 
during the What We Know. Yeah. And you were like, is it about, uh, is there a smaller Natasha Leone inside her? Because yeah. Russian doll. And I was like, yeah, she just has subsequently smaller inner children inside her. And it's like, I, it just was funny to hear us touch on the concept of like an inner child yeah. or whatever. That's like, oh shit, that is, <laughs> that is why it's called Russian doll. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, thinking about what things symbolize. Well, I think one of the reasons. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's complicated, but yeah. Well, the, the story does have a very nesting feel, too. Yeah, yeah. And then the fact that, you know, we we go all the way back and it's almost like she relives the first night again yeah. to go forward again. It It is really interesting, though. This is the first, one of the first pieces of media I've seen in years where I'm actually curious about what things symbolize. Or I'm, I'm, I actually spend time thinking about, like, what is this character? Yeah. You know, does oatmeal symbolize something other than just being a cat? Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like if you, if you apply this sort of thinking to media, you ruin it. It's like, what does Darth Vader... Darth Vader symbolizes Luke Skywalker's inability to accept adult responsibility. It's like, no, no, no. He's his evil dad and he yeah. has to sword fight him. Like, yeah. that's cool enough. I don't need anything else. You know. Um, wow, spoiler alert. But with this, like, I feel like there's so much that we're not given. And also characters do seem to have sort of functions. Mm-hmm. Especially Horse. I think he's the one yeah. that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about. Because it's sort of like... Because his central location in that parade at the end, yeah, and even the the final, the final like the, when there's the two Nadias who come together with yeah. the the, the um, Nadia Prime walking between them. There's two h- horses on the outside of that, so it's like she's she comes between Wait, the two. There's two horses. Yeah, when it's the double, you know, it's the doubled shot divided in half. I don't know oh, if there are oh. two horses. When there are two Nadias. Okay. But the Sorry. Two, I thought yeah. you were saying that when we see the two Nadias pass by, the yeah. two gray-coated Nadias yeah. pass by on either side of pirate shirt Nadia. Right. In that scene, there are not two horses. I don't think so. Okay. But in, say, the, in the doubled shot. <laughs> yes. Where yeah. It's like, it's it's sort of mirroring it and the, the two Allens merge into each other and disappear. Yeah. And then yeah. there's two Nadias. The, to the directly to the outside of them is the two horses. Yeah. The, that composition feels very deliberate there. Yeah. And he almost seems, he's the only human character outside of Nadia and Alan who seems aware, who, who seems like he could be aware that something's happening. Yeah. Possibly yeah. just because he's tripping on something and he's super high and he's just like, whatever. Yeah. But it's like, there's yeah, a vibe yeah. to him. He's, he's he could be aware. Yeah, he's definitely not fully aware. No. But I guess even if, you know what? Honestly, that guy, even if he was actually looping along with them, would he be aware that that's what was happening? Exactly. That is a good point, actually. He might just be like, you look familiar. Because she, here's something that has bothered me. And I, it was, there was never, it was never quote unquote answered. Mm-hmm. Which is she recognizes horse at the beginning. Yeah, she's like, have I, I seen think, that guy before? I think I know this guy. Yeah, the guy looks so familiar, and she seems bothered by it. Not she's like she's like, do I know you? Yeah, yeah. Do I know you? Yeah, it's. I kept waiting for that to be significant, mm-hmm. and it's never, you know, explicitly answered. And we even thought that was, in our initial discussion, we thought that might be a sign that this is not actually her first loop. 
Yeah. But the, the show does seem to plant their flag on that. That was the first loop. Right, because that's the night that Alan commits suicide. Right, yeah. yeah. That seems to be the thing that really triggers everything. And it, it definitely does not seem... There's, there's nothing, nothing to indicate. And many things to indicate it isn't that they right. had any loops before that. So why does she think that Horse looks familiar? If he's just a guy she's seen around, you'd think she wouldn't be that bothered by his familiarness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was something I kept waiting. I kind of forgot after a while, but initially I was really waiting for the show to answer that question. So maybe it's been established. Maybe it's been addressed rather in an, in an interview or something. Right. Like what their intention was with that, which we didn't, you know, we haven't delved into An- uh, the world of commentary. Another reason that I think it's, it's fascinating to consider his I just realized something about horse. What? So one of the reasons I want to theorize about him is that he is always in a different place when they find him and it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be affected. It doesn't seem to me like he has a, a, a distinct timeline for the night. Okay. In the way that, uh, Alan's initial loop, there's a very distinct timeline. It's like, there's a certain time he's supposed to show up at Beatrice's. And we know that in Nadia's loop, there are other people who have their looping things hey birthday baby it's like she you know maxine has the thing she's doing she's smoking the joint with the she's preparing chicken yeah the cocaine in it Um, somebody roast me a chicken and make me rugula (laughs) that's all i want in life but it seems like horses all over the place Mm -hmm. because the the in the final night you know alan like gives him the ring and then all of a sudden horse like is off like there's some other gutter punks hanging out. Yeah. And then there's some nights where he's just sort of wandering on his own, like floating around. And then there, then there's the whole thing with him going to the shelter. Mm-hmm. And remember he loses his boots in the shelter the first night. Right. Right. So the night that Nadia is hooking up with butthead, that's when horse loses his, his boots. Right. But then when we see horse for the first time in the final loop, at the at the end, no shoes. He's in his socks. Oh. You know, I noticed that he didn't have his shoes on. And I was like, right, because he lost his shoes. But that's a good point. It's still that night. Yeah. He's supposed to not lose his shoes until he goes to the shelter that night. Yeah. Now I really want to know if that was an accident or if that was very intentional. Yeah. It seems like it could go either way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little subtle things like that. Sometimes you're like, that's got to be significant. And the filmmaker goes, ooh, yeah, it was. I once pointed out something like this super like tiny detail that I was like, but what does that mean? And the filmmaker responded with the like teeth gritting emoji. The like, like, oh, shit. Either, oh, you noticed that, huh? Or, oh, I didn't even notice that myself. Uh, Anyway, I was like, God. I was really hoping there would be an answer for that. I was I was talking uh, with a friend of mine who's a, a festival producer for Slam Dance about this exact thing because she's seen hundreds of Q and A's with filmmakers about that. Yeah, and it's just like it's absolutely a fifty fifty where it's like, oh yeah, we had this. It was the symbolism that we like spent all this time to get this yeah. one shot. We like built this whole set so we could like have the camera fly out of a keyhole and it was like his heart unlocking. Yeah, and then half the time it's like. We just thought it looked look cooler, like, oh, yeah, like, the there was a crack in the lens, but then it, like, 
it just looks so cool. We yeah. put it in. And it's like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's it, just like it an is, accident. It is complete. I feel like it, with that in particular, with this specific case, it, it really does feel like a 50-50 chance that that was just them losing track of the timeline or that it was shot in the wrong order or something like that. Or that it is supposed to mean something. It's supposed to indicate that horse is somewhat loose from the timeline. Yeah. It could go either way. That's the one. I feel like there are other ones that I'm not remembering yeah. specifically. But I, I feel like he seems a little fractured from the timeline. Yeah. So. No, I think that's I think that's a very good point. And I, I do think that him sort of showing up and always showing up at like a different point and doing different things, serving different functions Mm -hmm. because he's the one who has oatmeal at the end. He's the one who, um, intercepts Alan. I, it, there's a lot of different things that he does. He has a lot of different functions. He's not always the one who does thing, you know? Okay. So what I'm going to hit you with a pretty nuts theory. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready for those nuts. Okay. Did you see the title of the last episode? Ariadne. Do you know who Ariadne was in mythology? Now I'm second guessing myself. You tell me. Okay. So just, 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 just give me a second to lay this all out. From Agatha Christie? Give me a second to lay this all out. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. My body is ready. Ariadne is the one who gives Theseus the thread. The thread that Theseus uses to navigate the maze, which contains the Minotaur. So Theseus is able to successfully defeat the Minotaur and escape the maze because Ariadne gives Theseus the thread. The last episode is titled Ariadne. So the last episode, the heroes have the key to escape the Minotaur in the maze. What does horse put on his head at the very end he puts on a mask that has horns on it now it's like a deer mask or something but oh i thought it was a horse no it's horse right but it it has horn it's something with horns it's like a okay a stag i mean given that the title of the episode is ariadne he probably does his his mask was probably supposed to represent the minotaur but So is because even even if you just we don't worry about what the mask is, it's a yeah. beast mask. Yeah, yeah. So at the end, he is part man, part beast, which is what the Minotaur is, right? Yeah. He's a, a chimera. He's a, some sort of mixture creature. Yeah. And he's in the maze with them. So, is he the Minotaur? Is he the monster in the maze that they have to escape from? Oh wow, that's really interesting because it's it's definitely not like as soon as you put it together, it all makes sense, man. No. It's you you I'm yeah you you in that explanation you did not have a big bulletin board with red yarn all over it, and it's like it all connects, man. Oh god, that is really interesting because there's no arguing. That's not just a here's a crazy fan theory. The episode is titled Ariadne. That right. has to mean something. Uh, they wouldn't just title it that. There's no other reason. There's no character named Ariadne. There's nothing else. Right. But it's definitely not that straightforward. Like, yes, they they apparently have they have the key now. Whether any character is supposed to be Ariadne or not, mm-hmm. they are in the maze, and now they have the the methods to get out. Right. They know what they have to do to escape. 
so at the at the, wow. the 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 maze of the Minotaur was also underground, mm-hmm. and that last shot where you get them, they're they're coming. It's, they I mean, it's an underpass. It's but still but they go up from below and they go out, out of this big arch. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That's just oh, it's like bothering me that it's not more straightforward. But like that's what I expect from this show. Yeah. But still, that's definitely. I mean, that's all definitely connected. Even his name is Horse Horse Bull. I'm, yeah. I'm just like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's. It, it, I I like what you said about. It's not like I explained the theory to you and it all perfectly locked in immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what makes this good storytelling. Yeah. Because sometimes with with storytelling, you like you identify that that influence thing or you woefully misidentify it. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of a certain YouTuber who says that the John, the first John Wick movie is Zeus and the Olympians and all that. And I'm just like, I, I don't see it at all. Sorry. I don't see it. But I think that's what makes the John Wick film good is that yeah. you could apply this really intensely thought out, like detailed fan theory about this means this, and this represents this. And even people who disagree with you are like, I totally disagree with that interpretation, but I still like the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with this. It's like, this theory kind of lays onto it really interestingly, but it doesn't necessarily suddenly explain it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like giving you this theory, it's not something like, oh, and Ruth is Cassiopeia. Like, yeah. I definitely think that this show was not created so that you could figure it all out at the end. Yeah. It, it was purposely trying not to fit all together like a little puzzle. Yeah. And as evidenced by that final scene, that final shot. Because the first time I watched it, I was so confused to the point that I thought the the two different pairs, Alan and, and Nadia mm-hmm. pairs, entered the tunnel from opposite ends and passed each other in the tunnel and they got turned around in the parade and ended up with their correct pairs yeah. and then went out. Which is completely, completely wrong reading because they both... They both are entering the tunnel with the parade coming at them, mm-hmm. and then somehow they're both they are leaving the tunnel with the parade yeah. coming at them. But they're both of them are going into the parade, mm-hmm. and then coming somehow coming out of the parade with the parade going in the same direction. It's not something you can watch it any number of times, and we have. And it's like no, it's not. It's not clear what happened. It's magic, and also that there are two, there are three Nadias in that final shot. Right. Because or, the the one walks between the two. So yeah, there's, there's two gray coated Nadia's. Because mm-hmm. when they when they first are showing the side by side shots, old Nadia is wearing her gray coat, and new Nadia is just wearing the black blazer over the pirate shirt. Right. When you first see them going in, and the two Allens kind of merge together, or mm-hmm. just go mm-hmm. off screen if you want to be perfectly literal and not symbolic at all. Right. You still see the two Nadias walking towards, and then I think, I can't remember exactly what happens. It's a cut, or it gets dark, and then as the two Nadias are entering the parade, you realize it's very, very dark, so you don't see it right away. Right. So you might not even notice it, but they are definitely both wearing the outdoor gray coat mm-hmm. then. and that, But they're still acting as if they're two different Nadias. They grab the, the, the torch from someone in the parade at different times. And with different hands. And with different one, hands. Yes. Yeah. One hand. one grabs with the right hand, one grabs with the left hand. And then 
it switches to the other side. Yeah. And now we have final Nadia, you know, uh, final Alan. And yeah. also somehow now they're at the front of the parade, but going in the same direction as the parade. Yeah. It's Anyway, it's just wild. If you've only watched it once and you think you know what happened, you probably are wrong. <laughs> I mean, and I, obviously I just described it, but like go watch it and actually see it for yourself if, you've ne- if you never thought to rewatch that scene. If you are some kind of crazy person who watched that scene and went, yeah, I think I know exactly what happened there. Yeah. But... It, it was so, it was so wild that I just read it so differently the first mm-hmm. time I watched it. I mean, mm-hmm. I immediately went, was that right? And had, I rewatched it almost right away. But yeah, does that, that whole scene, like what it's supposed to mean, I think is purposefully vague. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, vague in sort of, I think a, a micro sense. I mean, obviously the macro sense is that Nadia and Alan have both achieved some sort of synthesis. Yeah, and not like vague, that. ambiguous. Yeah, the I guess what I what I'm trying to express is that to me the the emotional arc of the story of what happened internally for Nadia and internally for Alan feels very clear that mm-hmm. they they were stuck in this predicament because they had to figure some shit out. They had to sort themselves out, and they have, and that's what allows them to escape the predicament and move forward. Yeah, you know I. It's 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 fascinating to me thinking about time loop stories more, you know, about uh, Groundhog Day, this, there's like um, some uh, Happy Death Day, there's some episodes of Stargate, Star Trek, whatever. Uh, oh, there's an episode of Lost Girl that you haven't seen yet that like is a time loop. But a key mm-hmm. element of all time loop stories is figuring out how to escape the loop, right? right. And what I think is really interesting is there, there are two types within that. There are the ones where you have to it's a puzzle and you just have to fix the, you have to complete, you have to solve the puzzle. You know, that's data Mm -hmm. leaving himself some sort of clue in his programming or something. Right. Yeah. Um, And then there's ones where it's like, you need to achieve some sort of emotional synthesis to get out of the loop. Right. And that's the fun thing about Russian dolls. I feel like the first half of the season, we're watching Nadia treat it as a puzzle Mm -hmm. instead of, actually looking internally right. like oh i just have to apologize to john oh no. i just have to meet his well no kid. initially she's even like it's got to be drugs something yeah. is doing this to me right i have to figure out who is doing this to me yeah then she starts going okay what can i do yeah. to change it and even with when she finally accepts she needs to do something it's still, I need to change something externally, right? I need to give this book to John's daughter and that will solve everything Or somehow. I need to fix someone else. Yeah, exactly. I need to stop Horse from dying. She stays in that homeless shelter all night to prevent Horse from having shoes stolen so he won't freeze to death the following night. But then she gets distracted by other things and she doesn't do that again. Yeah. So as far as we know, in every other loop, Horse freezes to death. Well, except the times when they die before he would. Right. But... Then she becomes fixated on saving Ruth. Mm-hmm. It's like she can't actually do all of these things. She right. can't control all of these things, but she was fixated on one thing and does that for a while. But yeah, and then eventually, after she stops trying to fix other things, then she goes internal. I, I wanted to. I think it's interesting that there is that initial step where she's like, "Someone is doing this to me." Right. And I need to figure out who, and we never find out who. Right. It's or the universe. Will we? <laughs> well, that does lead to a very important question. 
do we want to go into? Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about all the things with the show and, and my big theory about horse and everything. So, like, yeah. I, I, I'm ready to talk about the news. Yeah, I mean, we are over an hour at this point with right, our yeah, conversation. Well, so, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, obviously, we're both on board for more. Yeah. Even though... I mean, cautiously, I guess, because who knows what the next thing will be because okay they have announced that there's going to be a season two Mm -hmm. additionally i have heard haven't confirmed it but i have heard that someone involved with the show said they always planned it as a three season thing yes now that's what's most interesting to me otherwise before i heard that rather i thought Oh, they made this and they were like, this is a story. This is a mini series, basically. This it's is a, a very complete story. It is a very complete story. It would s- kind of spoil the story if they picked up these characters again. Now, I think we actually did talk about this in our initial episode, mm-hmm. which I wish I'd re-listened to it to be sure. But I think we already knew about there being another season. Right. Well, at some point we talked about it because part of deciding to do this is that we know that there's an upcoming season. So, you know, chasing that algorithm. But also (laughs) just Russian Doll is something people are talking about again because there's buzz because there's another season. Well, I was going to say, otherwise I would have, before somebody told me that, I would have assumed that they planned it as one thing. Uh They finished it. And then there was so much buzz that Netflix was like, you want to do another one? And they went, oh, we'll see what we can come up with. Yeah. Which the, I would be a little more cautious about that because, yeah, if you didn't yeah. plan there to be another story, then suddenly there is. Anyway, but knowing or at least having a hint that possibly they had a plan from the beginning, I'm a little more excited to see yeah. what they do. But what they'll do is, I think, pretty up in the air. Yeah. Because, like I was saying, I, it, it seems like it would do a disservice to this story and those characters. So I have, haven't they earned the right to live the rest of their lives at a normal pace? I have a couple theories. Okay, hit me. Uh, with them theories. Theory number one is that this is going to be like an anthology style thing where there are, there are two other seasons about two other loops with different characters having different synthesis stories and so on. Yeah. And that horse will be the unifying thread mm. through those. <laughs> thread. Wink. Yeah. That's that that is where my my mind would go yeah. if you're like make more Russian doll. Yeah. However, yeah. Knowing that they planned a three season thing, I think we could also potentially have something happening where we get other loops that are ha- like more people are looping concurrently to uh, um, Nadia and Alan mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe Nadia and Alan interact with once and it doesn't mm. really, it doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. But like Nadia and Alan end up being sort of these peripheral characters in the way that um, someone like Maxine was, you know, maybe somebody else leaves Nadia's party and Nadia's increasingly weird behavior you know, like the fact that it's like, Nadia just totally walked by me without saying hi. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. that then kicks off their loop. And so then they're, you know, like, so yeah, there, you could do something like that. But I, I don't really want to see Nadia and Alan get thrown into another situation. No, me either. Unless these, they really earn that. I mean, these people really, it feels like they really deserve 
the right to live the rest of their imperfect lives in peace. But speaking of things that people deserve, the writer, the creators of this show, writers, everyone involved, yeah, they deserve to do whatever they want as far oh, as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. I think that's the strongest thing that makes me excited for a season two of Russian Doll, uh-huh. even though I do not know what that means, is that I am excited to see this the team that made that show make something else. Yeah. That is at least somehow related. Yeah. Them- thematically similar, also involving time loops, whatever t- is the same. I'm excited for more of that vibe and that style, although not that specific story. Mm-hmm. One thing that we talked about previously, which I feel like must have been a phone conversation, because I don't think we would have known enough to talk about it in the previous episode, is the idea that if they did a second season, what could happen is that somebody else is experiencing something loop related in their life whether it's two people or one person whatever happens and at some point possibly just in one episode they meet nadia or alan nadia would be the most fun and they something they say makes nadia go i'm sorry what did you what did you just say oh nothing i'm just dying all the time hold on are you looping what bus crash yeah and like I need to find that woman with the right, crazy hair right. who knew about the loop. And then they track her down and they go, hi, hi, sorry. Uh, you don't know me, but um, I keep dying and I ran into you and you said you knew something about it. Oh, shit. Really? Okay. What did I say to you before? You, you just said you knew about the loops. Okay. Here. Blah, 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 blah. And, and stuff. And they try to work things out and then they keep getting separated right. or the person keeps dying or something. Every time and they could be, it could be a great one episode montage thing where they're constantly tracking down Nadia and going, Hi, I keep dying and I keep running into you. Right. And then Naughty would immediately go, "Okay, what have I already said? <laughs> Catch me up to where to where uh, you are, so, and then I can give you another piece of information or something like that." I think that would be really fun. Nadia becomes the Ruth character then, sort of the the guide. Maybe to, not yeah. necessarily but though. Like I'm, a similar like I'm saying, kind of. It could like, be one episode right. where the person runs into Nadia and Nadia gives them some help to point them in the right direction or something like that. I don't know. That would just be fun. I'm not even saying necessarily that it should happen or that it would be a good story. But that, honestly, something like that would be a continuation of Nadia's emotional growth arc from this, where the Nadia at the beginning of this, if some random stranger came up to them and was like, I'm looping, help, the thing. I mean, that Nadia would be like, we see Nadia in the last episode of this. She's like... Go away! What does she call him? She calls him Dead, dead Zone. zone. Yeah. Like, Fuck off, Dead Zone. You know, whereas the Nadia who's been through this experience would be yeah. would probably just be more patient with humanity in general. If someone's yeah. like, help me, you know. So yeah. like, th- that would be a fun way to check in on Nadia and or Alan without necessarily making them the focus of a new loop. And yes. of course, if Horace right. is still kicking around, that's an interesting wrinkle. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, there's so many different directions that this show could go and I, I have no idea what's most likely. We're throwing things out here that are possible, but for the record, we, I think I can speak for us both saying none of them seem particularly more likely than the others. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, is, I mean, is that it? Have we wound down? I, I think we wound down on this. Um, I... I'm very curious to see what happens next. I've definitely picked up this show for a second season. Yeah. Uh, myself personally. Yeah, I, w- I will definitely watch whatever whatever comes next. And I look forward to not binging season two of this as well. Yeah. Hey, hey, buddy. 
you on board for another, like, we watch an episode and then... We, we have a phone call? Yeah, have a I, phone call. I think absolutely. Or, now that we're, we know about it in advance and we're prepared, we could potentially do the thing that we were saying it would have been cool to do with this show, which is to do like kind of a marathon viewing of it, but with a recorded podcast in between each episode. Ooh, that is a possibility. It's a possibility. Okay, if you would actually like to hear that, if you would be interested in a episode by episode in-depth discussion of our first impressions for the new season of Russian Doll, let us know if you would even want that because I think it could be cool, but like it would need to be like a two-day at least, maybe three days thing. Yeah. We get up, watch an episode, record, maybe a slightly shorter talk than we normally do, less than an hour because we'd be doing each episode, but sit down, talk about our impressions. I mean, honestly, when we were watching The Good Place, I was kind of wishing we were doing that. That was a show where it felt like you could easily record your impressions about each episode and your theories about where it's going. And not many shows are like that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well... Oh, I never got a chance to mention my favorite part about the last episode, what hands down. What? Which is the, the the bedtime story that Nadia tells oh, Alan. so sweet. Her whole, did I ever tell you about the broken man and the lady who kept trying to die? Or what? I don't remember exactly what she says. And he's yeah. like, nope. She's like, okay, well. <laughs> she starts telling the story. And the description, it's like she kind of tells it like a fairy tale. And then she's like, but then... This girl came along who looked like a cross between Andrew Dice Clay and the crazy little girl from Brave. I like Brave. And I love Dice. Just the whole thing. And, and oh, then she so caught good. her him and her crazy hair. Yeah. But hey, she wasn't doing so hot either. That entire thing. I mean, I'm just kind of doing it. But like every step of that little story was not only kind of cute, like a cute moment. sort of funny, the bit about Andrew Dice Clay. Funny bit. But it, I think that was a moment that really showed us a lot about who Nadia has become. And That's on beautiful. that note, <laughs> bye. bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website, pilothousepodcast.com, or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks to our special guest stars, Jerome, CJ, Josh, Christopher, Tina, and Juniper. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. Welcome to the catch-up episode for season one, the only season presently of Russian Doll. Yeah, we we uh we, we both have watched all of it. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I wanted to do this to all of you. Sarah wasn't sure, but I was like, how often will we get? How many time loop shows are we going to be watching? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've had my fun. Okay. I'm sorry. I edited it because you asked me to. Now it's. There, I did it. It's here. It's here. You're welcome, strangely. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. Okay, bye, you guys. Bye.
on and drink and do the rock and roll. We never thought we'd get older.